All right, hallelujah, praise Yahweh, greetings to everyone. Let us come before Almighty Yahweh with a word of prayer so he can bless us. Some of our hearts and our minds, Almighty Yahweh, blessed is your name. We thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to come together. Each and every Sabbath becomes more and more precious, Almighty Yahweh, as a time for Yahshua to come back draws near. Almighty Yahweh, pray that you would season this message. Let the words be yours. And Almighty Yahweh, we say a special prayer for any and everyone out there that is suffering in these tough times, uh, whether people might be struggling with sickness, with pain, disappointment, frustration, confusion, uh, depression is certainly one of those things during these times. We don't know who to trust. We don't know what to believe. But for those of us here, Almighty Yahweh, those joining us online, we come with humble hearts before you, and we thank you for opening doors and uh, opening up our eyes to the truth that you have given us. There's still much more for us to glean. So pray that you would help us in this endeavor, help this ministry, and help the elders and uh, all those out there, Almighty Yahweh, that are struggling to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you for all you do, and we ask you all these things in the name of your precious Son, Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I was going through some of my stuff. <laughs> I found a sermon from 20 years ago, which was pretty interesting because... I didn't use computers back then to write out these sermons or prepare their notes or anything. I just wrote it on paper and trying to get this one together, I was getting so frustrated that I was about to do the same thing and I couldn't think of anything. It's like a songwriter that gets writer's block. You just can't think of anything. So last week I was watching Elder Allen, he was giving his message and I'm texting with Brother Mike Daly and uh, he just sends me one word, and I said, you know, that it looks like a Spanish word, but it was like in English and in Hebrew. And uh, me and Eduardo were joking earlier, you know, when you get baptized, it's like you're dipped into Yahweh's mercy. So the word was merced, which in Spanish is mercy, but you can also use another word for that, misericordia. So we're texting back and forth, and a chorus comes into my mind when I had gone to St. Lucia. It was a song they sang down there. The chorus says, O oh, love of Yahweh, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. I don't know if you heard that one before. But they sang it with a little calypso reggae flavor, and they changed some of the lyrics. Uh, the first verse is actually pretty, pretty awesome. And I did some research. It comes from John and uh, Romans chapter 8, which is one of my favorite verses. But So I build on that. I take that little chorus, and I build on that, and I build on the word that uh, Brother Michael Daly gave me. And that's how we come to this, the love of Yahweh. I'd like to greet everyone here, all those online. Uh, let me read from this book. I often like to refer to it. It's Gates of Prayer for Shabbat and Weekdays. And it matches up well with what Elder Anna was 
talking last week and builds to this. It says, Yahweh, you give meaning to our days, to our struggles and strivings. Without you, we are lost, our lives empty. Then we turn to you, and then, in the stillness of the night, when the outer darkness enters the soul, in the press of the crowd, when we walk alone through yearning, though yearning for companionship, and when in agony we are bystanders to our own confusion, we look to you for hope and peace. We do not ask for a life of ease, for happiness without alloy. Instead, we ask you to teach us to be uncomplaining and unafraid. In our darkness, help us to find your light. And in our loneliness, to discover the many spirits akin to our own. Give us strength to face life with hope and courage that even from its discords and conflicts we may draw blessing as we learn to exult in heights gained after the toil of climbing. Let our darkness be dispelled by your hope that we may rise above fear and failure, our steps sustained by faith. Yahweh, you give meaning to our days. You are our support and our trust. I thought that was excellent, matches up well. And this book, actually, they back then, uh, in the early 2000s, they used this in the synagogue right over in Jeff City. We went there once. Pretty interesting. Uh, got some nice prayers in there. I don't do it often. That way I'm not repeating the same thing over and over. But when speaking about how Almighty Yahweh loves his people, we can consider his mercy. It's like the knowledge and wisdom of Yahweh. It's infinite. Take, for example, he gave his only begotten son. His mercy endures forever. The scriptures version from South Africa uses the word loving commitment for mercy. It's interesting that the word for mercy is also used for reproach. Interesting how in the Hebrew, you know, you got one word and it can mean two different things. And uh, I love the message in this picture here. The most wonderful places to be in the world are in someone's thoughts, someone's prayers, and someone's heart. Isn't that awesome? Don't you want to be in Abba's thoughts? One minister down south used to always tell us, always make it your business to be in Yahweh's thoughts. You know, he's mindful of you. As we did for the word leaven when we did that study that Elder Randy talked about, we went in there and we dug and we dug and we dug deep and we scratched our head and I kept telling myself, there's got to be more to this study. So anyway, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. I mean, Yahshua, master of the sound bites. We have different definitions in the Hebrew for one single word in the English. There's also a lot of definitions in the Greek. I didn't even bother posting them up here. But uh, we have one there, chesed. Get the practice, chesed. How do we get that ch sound in the Spanish? We put the J at the end of the word, like ruach. We put the J at the end. So we get that sound. Goodness, kindness, faithfulness, a reproach. Shame from 2616, 
to be good, to be kind, to show kindness to oneself, to be reproached, be ashamed, to be put to shame, be reproached. We have Hanan, be gracious, show favor, pity, to show favor, be gracious. You get the idea. You got all these different words. Uh, this one was from the Brown Driver and Briggs. And uh, it gives you context to a lot of these words. I'll leave them up here for a minute. This took a lot to try to narrow down all these definitions. Also, if you do, uh, if you go into your Strong's Concordance, whether you do it on your app or you do it with the book, look up the words mercy and truth put together. And you notice they come up quite a bit. And I want to build on that also. Mercy and truth. When you have mercy, you know Yahweh showed a lot of us mercy. When we came to him in our ignorance. A lot of things that we didn't know. A lot of things that we were participating in. Just like in this past season. You have to learn how to navigate. How to kind of. Be nice to people, but not partake in their celebration. Uh, one of the phrases that I used a lot, because there was an accident just before, uh, you know, the Xmas. Be safe out there and have a good weekend. Very plain. And so I was able to use that to my advantage. This scripture here in James. For ye shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices Against judgment, and we'll look at that in the Greek later on. The Greek is almost the same to the Hebrew, but the Greek has a word for not having mercy. You know, you combine those, like unmerciful, if you would. In the Greek, we have 1653. Good thing about the RSB, you can look up the word mercy, you see the numbers right there, then you just go right to the back and you look up the definitions. And you match them up with the context. To have mercy on, to help one afflicted or seek aid, to help the afflicted, to bring help to the wretched, to experience mercy. Somebody is having a bad time, struggling, and someone helps them out. Maybe you're stuck on the side of the road and somebody comes and helps you. Uh, 1656 in the Greek Eleos, mercy, kindness, or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted, join with a desire to help them. A lot of us, sometimes we want to help certain people, but we don't know whether we should trust them. Like bringing a homeless person into your home. I was thinking about this. You have no idea what this person might do. And yet, you know, we're called upon to, to help certain folks because we might be entertaining messengers unawares. So we have that heart. We have that heart of compassion, and we want to help people. We want to help people not just financially. We want to help people understand the words of Yahweh, especially when you're using the King James. Certain words kind of confuse us. Uh, another definition, to exercise the virtue of mercy, to show oneself merciful of Yahweh towards men in general providence, the mercy and clemency of Yahweh in providing and offering to men salvation by Messiah. That's the ultimate mercy, your ticket to the kingdom. If Abba hasn't shown you mercy, if he hasn't, uh, if you haven't had an encounter with Yahshua the Messiah, chances are 
It can be very difficult for you to get in there because there's rules to getting into the kingdom. The mercy of Messiah, whereby at his return to judgment, he will bless true followers with eternal life. For instance, there's a scripture that says, when Yahshua comes back, will he find faith? Is he going to find us doing his will? Or are we going to be running around confused, you know, about who Yahshua is, what his name is, how we spell it, and so on. What is he coming to do, and so on. And who's going to find mercy in his sight? Uh, another one, Greek uh, 36.28, oiktirmos, bowels in which compassion resides, a heart of compassion, emotions, longings, manifestations, of pity. We know how Yahweh feels about his people. And the King James uses that word. Yahweh is very pitiful. He's so high above us. His righteousness is so far from our righteousness. To the point that we could never see him in our state. That's how high he is. It's unimaginable. And yet he hears our prayers when we humble ourselves. Another Greek word found here in this scripture in James 2.13 is anileos, without mercy, merciless. And also, uh, when somebody says, Elohim, be gracious to you uh, to avoid a calamity, uh, hileos. So we have all those Greek words. You can look them up, take your time, go through them. Um, there's 36.29, compassionate. And also 36, 27. Altogether, it says here 261 verses on that word alone. Did you notice in our psalm, we had the words mercy and truth put together? Psalm 61. They go hand in hand, mercy and truth. Yahweh has been merciful since the beginning. Even uh, discussing in the study in First Peter 3. When the people were rebellious, they didn't listen to Noah when he was preaching. Sometimes Abba takes us out of our misery. He has mercy on us. And see, he knows what he's doing because he created us. He knows the purpose of why he's doing what he did. Sometimes we question, well, how come he showed mercy here and not there? Well, you know, it's his prerogative he sees what was in our heart. We cannot see sometimes what is in other people's hearts. We cannot see our intentions. I was going to title this with this question. Where is the blessing? A lot of people want blessings. They don't want curses. They want blessings. My response would be beneath the surface. We have to do word studies in Hebrew and Greek and compare context. Like I was mentioning earlier, for instance, if you go out on your own and you study that word leaven, you're going to be surprised because it's so very simple how Yahweh put it to the people of Israel. Um, the other day I called this bread company. Their bread is like this tall. And I asked them, well, how is it that you get it to rise and there's no leaven? And they said, well, it's Naturally, leaven with sourdough. Yeah, but you didn't say that in the ingredients. You see? So you're kind of deceiving 
in a way. I still buy it, but can't use it during unleavened bread, you know? And uh, I thought that I could, but I'm glad I double-checked. You got to double-check. You got to call them. You got to email them what is in your ingredients just so you make sure. And uh, Abba's going to take that into consideration. That's how it is when we do the word studies. One simple word can just distort somebody's doctrine. You know, they're out there preaching. They think they know truth, and they just messed up on one simple word in the verse. I was talking to, or I was listening to a talk by a minister on emotional intelligence. What does emotional intelligence have to do with mercy? What does it have to do with leaven? Well, he was describing ways that we can eliminate useless issues. Take, for instance, Acts 17.30. Acts 17.30. If I'm not mistaken, you read there, it talks about how you know, Yahweh has a certain level of compassion that we have to rise up to his level, not the other way around. You know, he comes down to our level. Acts seventeen thirty. it says, And the times of this ignorance Elohim winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Not just Jews, not just Gentiles, not just Christians, not just Muslims or Hindus. He commands men everywhere, men and women. And you got to be at a certain level to be able to understand, what am I repenting from? What have I done that I need repentance? So you have to have common knowledge. You know, you went against the Torah of Yahweh. You went against the commandments of Yahshua. Yahshua gave us a commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. So... If I hate this person over here, then how am I loving Yahweh at the same time? So, emotional intelligence. That's where you keep your emotions in check. Yahweh expects us to keep our emotions in check, to repent. He expects us to repent, not just when you were baptized. After you rise up from the waters, you're going to stumble here and there. you got to repent. He expects us to study, to show ourselves approved. How did this person, you know, decide he wants to speak on a certain subject and he doesn't even know what he's talking about? Right? He just dreamed it up or I just copied and pasted off the internet. Right? So now, why do you repent? Why do you study to show yourself approved? Why do you keep your emotions in check? Right? Because we love Yahweh and because we love our neighbor. If you love your neighbor as yourself, for instance, you're not going to do to your neighbor stuff that you wouldn't like done unto you, right? So that's where we get these, uh, you kind of learn and you grow at that, especially if you're a hardcore person or you like pointing fingers at people when they make little mistakes. A little too cocky because we learned a little truth. Abba can easily... Just like that, take it away. How many times we memorize a scripture and all of a sudden we just forget it? Where is it? I can't find it. Just like that, we forget stuff. Salvation is a huge issue and it involves loving those who we can see without compromising the truth of Yahweh. That's the hard part right there. We got to know, okay, I love this person, yeah, but I cannot go along with 
certain things he's doing or she's doing. Yeshua loved those who hated him and didn't condemn, but never compromised or did away with Abba's truth. Look it up. The Pharisees tried that so many times. We just read that in the evangel. They sat there waiting. Okay, let me see. Maybe he might say something. We can catch him. Because remember, they were trying to kill him. They were trying to murder him. And they were doing the evil one's bidding. Because the evil one knows that Yahweh is offering salvation. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 9, if you would. We'll take, I'll take some teachings right from the Messiah. And we'll see if we can gain, we can glean. He definitely had all of Abba's truth. We can say that confidently about Yahshua. The only thing Yahshua didn't know is when he's coming back. And once that happens, all he's going to do is turn around and, you know, set everything up for Almighty Yahweh. So in Matthew 9, 13, interesting scripture here. It says, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So if I just read that scripture just by itself, I need, I need context. What, what, is, what is he talking about? I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Is he doing away with Abba's sacrifices? So I do the simple way. I do some mathematics. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 9 and go to verse 9. And we'll start reading from verse 9. Interesting, when I, when I thought about this scripture, I was watching the uh, episode of The Chosen, and uh, that's when Yahshua called Matthew. Interesting. So let's read Matthew 9, 9. We'll stop at 12. And as Yahshua passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Yahshua sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Yahshua heard that, he said unto them, They that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. And then you go back and you read verse 13, and he says to the Pharisees, but go and learn this. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. So Yahshua tells us we can make many sacrifices. You know the Pharisees, Sadducees, they were in charge of the temple and they offered many, many sacrifices. But it says if we're not showing mercy, which would include love, then we're missing the mark. The Pharisees missed the mark. Because they're asking, why are you eating with sinners and publicans? Yahshua is saying, well, they're the ones that need the truth. They're the ones that need the help. That's like asking a doctor, why do you have a whole bunch of patients in the hospital? Because they're sick. They need help. Maybe they have questions. Some medicine you gave me is not working. I feel worse now <laughs> than before. So what's going on here? I thought this was supposed to help me. Right? So... Anybody here ever play darts? It's like when you play darts and you never hit the bullseye, you sit there <laughs> all night. You never, What's wrong with you? <laughs> we used to do that a uh, long time ago, and uh, we used to get in each other's face, you know, try to distract each other. That was fun. 
But same thing. So the Pharisees, in that instance, they missed the mark. We know that a lot of them loved Yahweh. A lot of them, you know, secretly, they they knew that Yahshua was the Messiah, and they paid attention to his teachings, but they loved their position also. So they play both sides. So just to remind people, loving yourself as your neighbor never means we compromise the truth. Let's turn again to the master, Yahshua. We'll go forward. We'll stay in Matthew. You go to chapter 18. I really enjoyed that scripture because I'm not going to lie. I read that over and over, and I scratched my head. What's he talking about? I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. A lot of times, like I did last night, I, I will read a scripture in Spanish, and bing, I, I all of a sudden understand it. Matthew 18, verse 23, we'll read on down to verse 35. And this is Yahshua. He's teaching us a lesson about mercy and forgiveness. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his master commanded him, now listen to this, commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. Wow, that's your whole family right there. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But then that same servant went out, found one of his fellow servants, which told him a hundred pence, and he laid his hands on him, took him by the throat, pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, besought him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, so he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their master all that was done. Then his master, after that he had called him, said unto him, Thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because you desired me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his master was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise, my heavenly Father, do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Very, very powerful. All right, so I did a bit of homework on this. How many people know what a talent is? Anybody know what a talent is? How much is worth? Anybody know what a pence is? I think in some uh, versions it says denarii. All right, well, according to uh, 2015, 10,000 talents, if it was in gold, the value would be $11.9 billion. In silver, $161 million. And how much is a pence or a denarii worth? If I was to work 12 hours at $7.25 an hour, $87 for one day, multiplied times 100, 
So you owed 11 billion to 161 million and you found somebody that owed you $8,700 and you wouldn't forgive that person. That's pretty incredible. (laughs) I'll tell you what, $8,700 sounds good right about now. (laughs) So just consider that. That's why they say that whom Yahweh forgives the most, that's the person that loves the most. This is Yahshua teaching us a big lesson on forgiveness and mercy. This is how Abba forgives us. When we get down on ourselves and we think, man, I don't think Abba's going to forgive me for this one. You know, I went too far. As long as you didn't blaspheme the Ruach of Yahweh, you have a chance. As long as you are alive and breathing, you have a chance to repent. As long as you humble yourself and forgive those that hurt you. And again, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to sugarcoat and I'm not going to lie. I still have a very hard time forgiving certain individuals for things that they did when I was a little shorty. We're talking about 40 plus years ago. It was a long time. But the evil one tries to play tricks on your mind. And then you have to, you know, come to terms and say, you know what? If I forgave, that's it. Forget about it. Stop dwelling on it and go forward. The mercy of Yahweh is everlasting. We have two Psalms, two of them, that pretty much it will say a statement and then it will say the mercy of Yahweh endures forever. The mercy of Yahweh endures forever. How many times do you have to repeat it in two different Psalms so that we understand it? Now, question is, just like here, it felt great to receive mercy, right? But when it was your turn to show mercy to somebody else who didn't even... A hundred pence or denarii is one percent of ten thousand. One percent of ten thousand. So the second person owed the other guy one percent of what he was forgiven. Well, let's keep on going. We'll go to my favorite book that we are studying right now. In the Hebrew is Kefa Aleph, which is First Peter. You go to First Peter chapter two. I mean, you have just some beautiful scriptures there. If you think that you are a nobody, if you think that you can't help the assembly, if you think that you can't help Yahweh in any shape or form just because you don't have a trade or you don't sing or you don't play an instrument or you can't evangelize. 1 Peter 2, chapter 9, it reads, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or special people, that you should show forth praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of Yahweh, which had not obtained mercy, or favor or compassion, but now have obtained 
mercy. Yahweh reminds us of this. If you want to read a beautiful story, go to the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea. Many of us are familiar with chapter 4, verse 6. But you read that story, and Abba said that in the future there's going to be a people that are not his people. He's going to call them his people. They're going to be a people, a Gentile nation, that have not obtained mercy like Nineveh. They were not Abba's people, but they repented, and Abba showed them mercy. So that is prophetic come to pass. And Peter, in these scriptures, he's basically encouraging the brethren, encouraging us not to forget the words of the master, encouraging us to love one another and to show respect to one another, no matter what our stature is in life. Uh, Let's go also, we can't forget about Paul. We'll go to, as Peter calls him, our beloved brother, you go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We have to remember that the very same things that the Messiah taught, things you read in Revelation, things you read in Peter, James, and John, Paul wrote about all of that. Ephesians 2 and verse 12. He wasn't one of these tricksters that came along, try to deceive us. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 12, that at that time you were without Mashiach, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without Elohim in the world. But now in Mashiach Yeshua, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Messiah. As I said earlier, for instance, Yahweh will take the life of his firstborn son, and of course he will resurrect him. But it is through that process that Gentiles gain access into the covenants of promise. That's how it's done. A life had to be taken. Blood had to be shed. Just like in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, in order for them to get a covering, innocent animals had to die. So one of the questions that a brother posed to me was, and why this came about, and we're asking ourselves this question, will Yahweh have mercy on this nation, this once great, awesome, powerful nation that still offers us many, many freedoms? They're going out the window quick, so we have to be smart about what we're doing. So what do you think about that? Well, I answered, I wish he would, but hard to say when you kick and scoff and parade sins with pride. You're not going to gain favor with Almighty Yahweh by sticking your chest out. You're already failing him, and yet, you know, you want to shake your fist at him as if he has no power to shut the lights off at any time. Kingdom attitudes are the total opposite of what we see. I'm coming close to the end here, but I want to share also three more scriptures. And one of these just, I shake my head, uh, it's found in Ezekiel. I went through 12 to 14, and excellent scriptures, excellent, especially after we read Isaiah. 
Ezekiel, if you go to 14, verses 12, because you've got to realize, whether we like it or not, since the scriptures were written for our examples, some of these do apply to us. Why? Because we're human. So by nature, they apply to us because we're human and we have human nature, even though we have a down payment of the rock. Starting in Ezekiel 14, verse 12 to 14. This is Yahweh speaking to Ezekiel. It says, And the word of Yahweh came again to me, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me to commit trespass, and I shall stretch out my hand against it, and cut off its supply of bread, and send scarcity of food on it, and cut off man and beast from it, even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, declares the Master Yahweh. So those are big proclamations. Yahweh himself said that Noah, Daniel, and Job were righteous. We know they failed Yahweh. We know they were sinners. But Yahweh here says that even if these three men were in Jerusalem when Yahweh was about to destroy it, sorry, they would only deliver themselves. That is very, very powerful. We know for a fact that there's righteous people in this nation. And I'm willing, you know, to say that there's got to be at least more than 10. Um, But no matter which way it goes, it doesn't even matter what I think. Uh, you know, these things that Yahweh says, cut off the supply of bread, scarcity of food. Doesn't that sound like some stuff that's going on right now? Food shortages here and there, right? And Yahweh will cut off man and beast, how much? A third of the population? And the beast also? So it's cut and dry. It's like unleavened bread. How about giving you, you know, the information right there? If you have a question about this land, and not only this one, what about other countries? Well, they don't even care about the scriptures. Well, Abba, have mercy on them. We have to learn how to navigate like a ship that doesn't get stuck in shallow water. Over in James chapter 3 and verse 17, you know, it says there in scriptures that Yahshua's brothers, they made fun of him a lot. They wanted him to go out there and proclaim himself and be this big shot. But guess what? At the end, some of them converted. James and Jude, his half-brothers. James 3, verse 17. It reads there in James three seventeen. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Doesn't this sound like the love of Yahweh? Or love of Yahweh, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong you cannot measure the love of Yahweh? cannot measure his mercy it endures forever what else can you say endures forever this is Yahweh's character 
He loves his people. He loves his creation. He is merciful. But it says there he's not going to pardon you if you're dead wrong. Gives you a choice. Choose life or death. Where's the blessing, people ask. I'm being persecuted. I lost my job. I lost my family. Nobody, you know, wants to be my friend. Where's the obedience? Should be the question. Where's our obedience? Where is the walking worthily to the calling we have received? Good thing for us, and you don't have to be part of our group, Abba never leaves his people hopeless. We hope in his mercy. Going back to Ezekiel 14, in reference to the destruction of Jerusalem, this will be my last scripture that I just want to make a little comment on this here. You go back to Ezekiel 14. You know the prophets, it was sad for them. Isaiah, especially Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Yahweh would ask them to do these weird things, strange things, so that the people would see, so that it would, you know, get their attention. Why are you doing this? What is the purpose of what you're doing? Ezekiel 14, in verses 22 and 23. This is in reference to the destruction of Jerusalem in Ezekiel's time. It says, But see, there shall be left in it a remnant who are brought out, both sons and daughters, See, they are coming out to you, and you shall see their ways and their deeds, and shall be comforted concerning the evil which I have brought upon Jerusalem, all that I have brought upon it. And they shall comfort you when you see their ways and their deeds, and you shall know that it was not for naught that I have done whatever I did in it, declares Master Yahweh. So the prophets had questions. They wanted to know who Yahshua was. They wanted to know when he was coming. And some of them saw the destruction of the temple. And, you know, they were very, very sad. It's like when we see people walk away from the faith, similar to, you know, a destruction of a temple. Why? Because, you know, you just neglect, you know, the gift of salvation. But look at it, it says there, you shall see their ways and their deeds. You know, simple people were going to comfort the prophet because they were doing what was right and Abba spared them. So many of us might see the destruction of this country. We don't know. We have no idea when or what Abba is going to do, how he's going to do it. But what the ministry teaches is, you know, keep your head in the book. Keep a level head. Continue to show love and compassion towards your neighbor. Continue to study. Because if you want to be, you know, a teacher in the kingdom, you got to know your material. A lot of this material will come to you through falling on your face, through making a lot of mistakes. You know, you might misquote something. You have to go scripture, the chapter, the verse. It happens to us, you know. But the way that we walk, a lot of times, that says more. And sometimes you have to go to people and say, hey, listen, you know. I was wrong about what I did. I was wrong about what I said. You know, please forgive me. I didn't mean to give the wrong impression. That's part of life. It's part of this walk. Uh, 
My last comment on this scripture, look at what it says here. F.B. Meyer, he says about Ezekiel 14, 1 through 6. It is useless to approach Elohim with prayers and inquiries for guidance as long as our hearts are filled with secret sins and cherished idols. If we regard iniquity in our hearts, Yahweh cannot hear us. It often happens when men purpose a certain evil course that everything seems to favor them. We might think it's greener on the other side because somebody's not being persecuted or they're being materially blessed. But Abba knows what he's doing. And I thank you all for your attention and I praise Yahweh that you gain some kind of blessing from this message. May Yahweh bless you.